Okay, so we are starting the um, the famous Mimer of Shorish Mitzvah Setfila from the Semachedik from Derech Mitzvasecha. So it's known. Um, there's a whole story behind this uh, this Mimer. This Mimer was actually written by the Semachedik when he was much younger, way before he was the Rebbe. Actually, while the times when the Alter Rebbe was the Rebbe, that's actually when he wrote it. And so... Um, somebody wrote the entire um, thing? Yeah. He wrote it when he... It was actually 13. a famous story behind it. Uh, I'll just give you some of the details that, in fact... Why don't you... You have to... <laughs> I can't... Bring the table closer over there, but uh, here, sit, sit, sit with that table. Uh, bring that table closer. I can't... Uh, <laughs> someone no, write... Or sit over here. Sit, sit on this side. Uh, you know, grab a chair and sit on this side. It's too... Uh, too much ore. There we go. Okay. Anyway, so uh, some of the details behind this was that um, Alter Rebbe actually asked Alter Rebbe's um, grandson, obviously, was a Semosetic, and his the Semosetic's wife was his granddaughter, right? Because the Semosetic married the daughter of the Mitla Rebbe, right? So they were first cousins, right? Because the Alter Rebbe's <coughs> the Alter Rebbe's daughter, right, Dvoralea famous Devoralea, who I have all the stories, right, that how she did mysterious nafish for Hasidus and passed away right after Rosh Hashanah, right, that whole story. Um, so she is the mother of the Tzemosetic, and the Alter Rebbe basically raised the Tzemosetic because Devoralea asked that her father should take care of him and raise him, etc. And the Mitzvah Rebbe's, uh, the Mitzvah Rebbe's uh, daughter, Right, Rebetzin Chayim Mushka. So she obviously was the first cousin. Actually, a famous story that um, that uh, Semosetic was known to like be you know running around outside and you know playing a lot when he was very young. And so the Alter Rebbe called in the Mitzvah Rebbe into his office and he asked him, told him that he had a shidduch for his daughter Chayim Mushka that it should be the Semosetic, right? So the Mitlerev was not so excited about it because he saw that Samosetic was like running around outside or whatever. And, um, and so the Alter Rebbe called him in. And he said uh, to him that uh, <clears throat> he wants him to learn through this page of Gemara, Gemara Ashitaisus, and come back to him in like, let's say, a half hour, and he's going to be tested on it. Obviously, Balpen, everything like that. So, uh, so the Mitzvah Rebbe was a little bit uh, uh, more, uh, <coughs> you know, like hesitant. And in fact, like 10 minutes later, he saw him back again playing outside. And the Mitzvah Rebbe was looking out the window and the Alter Rebbe said, what do, what do you want? And he said, you see, like he's, he's not even listening to you. And so the Alter Rebbe got like stern and he called the Tzemosetic in. And he said, you know, uh, what are you doing playing outside? I thought I told you to do something. And so he said, well, I did it. What do you mean? So he said, okay, go ahead. So he went over and he, and he said over Balpeh, the entire page of Gemara with Gemara Rashi Toysus. You know, and this was like 10 minutes later, 15 minutes later at the most. And so the, so the, the Rebbe was like very, you know, he was, uh, he was mollified. And there's a whole story with it that the, the, the Rebbe took a stick and he tapped him lightly I remember how many times, tapped him like twice or whatever, three times, I don't remember exactly the details. 
but he tapped him on his shoulder. And someone said it years later when he was the Rebbe, said that he wished that the Alter Rebbe would have tapped him, hit him more times, or tapped him more times, and his, his uh, mind would have opened even more or whatever. I, I don't know the details exactly. But the bottom line is that Midler Rebbe was now happy with the Shidduch. So what happened was that the Alter Rebbe actually asked his granddaughter, Rebbe Tzinchai Mushka, right, after they got married, that he wanted to see some of the writings. And, um, and the story goes that she stole for him this mimer that Samuel Sadiq was writing. And when the Alter Rebbe read the mimer, he called in a number of Hasidim, and he was so excited about it, he was so excited that he, I, I, I can't remember exactly the details, I think he, I think he, ma- he even made the bracha shachianu. He wanted the other Hasidim that were there, uh, like, I don't remember exactly who it was, to answer. But the bottom line is that the, that the Tzemel Sedek wound up finding out about this. He got very, very upset uh, with his wife to the extent that uh, there was major, major machlaikis uh, between the two of them and to an extreme level. And the only way he was mollified was that the Alderev promised that he would uh, learn with him and set up a whole new seder of learning with him, and then he was like okay with it. But the Alter Rebbe was very excited about this mimer, and in fact, it's a huge mimer. You'll see it goes on for uh, uh, something like yeah, I mean it goes on for how many how many chapters? Uh, Forty nine chapters, and it goes on for about uh, 30, 40 pages here. Uh, you know, so clearly, we're not going to be able to do the whole thing. But it's an encyclopedic work about Hasidus, basically. And it, it goes through a huge amount of information um, of the foundations of Hasidus and deep ideas of Hasidus as well. So we'll do our best to do some chapters, a few chapters, and then we'll see. But it's going to require um, tremendous effort on your part to spend the time every night uh, doing, uh, doing Hazara, in Chazara and uh, you know working on it, all right? Because we're going to be introduced to a lot of different um, Hasidic ideas and Kabbalistic ideas that you probably are not so familiar with. I would recommend very highly that you take a pencil or a pen and a notebook, or you write in my book, you know, just like I have in my book, lots and lots of notes. You know, every page, lots of notes. Take notes because the things that I'm going to be talking about uh, and explaining, right? Give uh, much more of an understanding to the mimer that if you you know that's the point of having the class. The class is not just reading and teaching, but it's giving you this extra information. So please take notes. Okay, that's what I would say. Okay, so as the derech of derech uh, mitzvasecha is, it begins with nigla, then it goes into kabbalah, and then it goes into chasidus. That's the way the mimerim are written in this book. Okay, so let's start. So he says like this, Bishayrish mitzvah satfila. Right? Yesh machlaikis ben a paiskim. So there is a machlaikis amongst the paiskim, amongst the uh, the uh, halachic authorities. What is the machlaikis? The machlaikis is im hu mitzvah ase midaraisa, whether it is a positive commandment from the Torah or midarabanan, or it's a positive commandment from the rabbanan. That's our question here. What is the Indian of davening? Right. Is the Indian of davening a daraisa or a rabbanan? Like it's brought also in the Sefer HaChinuch, which is, uh, just as a side note, that is the book that the, uh, 
that Tzermach Tzedek follows throughout, uh, this, throughout this whole Sefer. He always brings the Chinuch and what mitzvah it is, right? So it's mitzvah, taf, lam, and gimel. Behine roiv monia mitzvahs kamoha smag v'harashpatz. Right, so most of, right, there, there is Bichlal, an idea, which I don't know if you've come across it or not. Uh, there is an idea of counting out the mitzvahs. What it means, Moinia mitzvahs, means that there are several, there are a number of books that were written throughout history that they go through the Chumash and they try to go and they go through and try to figure out how do we see the 613 mitzvahs? How do you, cla- how do you codify them? How do you classify them? Right, so... That's the question. And they try to bring psukim to back up their opinion. I don't know if you've come across these svarim or not. The chinuch, obviously, is one of them, right? And that's what they do. Yeah. Um, where, where, where exactly do we see it being originally referenced that there are 613? Where is the original reference for that? Good question. I'll get back to you on that. So he says like this, mitzvah. So the majority of the people that are counting out the mitzvahs come smak in the Rashbas. right, also with regards to the Ramban, sham, right, he says, says like this, that they say that the davening every day, Right, and the actual nusach hatfila, the nusach, right, means the words that we use in our davening, who mitzvah midrabanan. That is actually a mitzvah from the rabbis. Ach, having said that, however, midaraisa who a mitzvah, she is pal haadam. However, from the Torah, there is a mitzvah. She is pal haadam biyvakesh beeis mina eisim. That a person should daven, and he should yivakesh, he should request be'ez mina esim from time to time. Asher yitzarech l'davar mina dvarim when he needs something, a particular thing. Come on, be'ez sarav Like for example, at a time of uh, great pain or some sort of difficulty that he's experiencing, that is in fact a Torah law. So what are we saying here? As he mitzvahs ase midaraisa, that what's the positive commandment from the Torah? Shitzivanu Hashem Yisbarach, that Hashem Yisbarach commanded us. adam. In this, that a person requests, right? That Hashem alone is going to be the one to save him for this thing. In other words, What's the idea here? We're saying that in terms of the actual mitzvah, right, the mitzvah of the Rabbanon, the mitzvah, excuse me, of davening, like with all the words of davening and all the words of, right, the Nusach HaTfilah that we have, and that we should daven, you know, every day and everything like that, that is a Rabbanon. However, the concept of when you need something, that who do you turn to? You turn to Hashem. That's who you rely on. You have to turn to Hashem and ask Hashem and say, this is what I need, and He alone is going to be the one to save me. That's, that's, that's a deraisa. Then he goes on to say, So this is from the roots of the concept of emunah. Because through this, a person will know 
a person will understand that he alone, the Abishter alone, is the one that's driving the world. He's the one that's conducting the world. And not only that, he is overseeing all of the details of the creations. Because in fact, the person has to realize that only the Abishter is able to save him. He alone is able to save him. That's it. Kapish? Good? Right? So that is a Daraisa. Like the Rambam writes, Right? As the Rambam writes in his explanation of the mitzvahs, Right, in his, his explanation, excuse me, of Mishnah is in Gemara in Mishnah Sanhedrin. In the Mishnah that says that all the Yidna have a Chelik and Eilam Haba, that this is one of the, this was the fifth of the 13 principles that he writes there. Okay, fine. Fine. Daika lekol asher who mekoyrev, right? It is not the mitzvah of tefillah is not only specific daika specifically, right? Miuchedes, right? It's not set aside, so to speak, and specific, unique, only to someone who is close. In other words, we see from this that the mitzvah of asking Hashem for what you need is not exclusive to the people that are close to the Eibishter, i.e. tzaddikim, people that are mamish right there with him. Right? That is not the case. Right? Instead, what is it? It's for all the people that need a bakasha, that have a request, that have a need, that ha- need something. It's a positive commandment from the Torah that says, who do you ask for what you need? There's only one address, and that is the Abishter. That's who you have to address it to. You think you could get it from this guy and that guy and the other guy and the other No, that's not the case. One address, the address is Hashem Yisbarach. That's the address that you have to rely upon. Now, he says, that doesn't mean <clears throat> that it's always going to happen what you request. Like it says, Sometimes your request will be fulfilled and sometimes it will not be fulfilled, Right? Yikubal, Yikubal means to receive, v'yimale, from the word male means full, right? So sometimes it will be fulfilled, and sometimes it will not be fulfilled. But the bottom line is that you have to know that there is one location. And this is in fact like by way of a mashal. Here it means basar v'adam. It is like a person that gives a bakasha to a king that is made out of flesh and blood. Right, a human being. That every person in his kingdom is able to ask him for his request. 
even those people that are very low on the totem pole, so to speak, and it's possible that the king will still fulfill their request. And in fact, the opposite is a lot of times true. That it's according to the nature of the goodness, the kindness of the king. To listen specifically to those that are, so to speak, low on the totem pole. Right? A lot of times that when a minister will ask a request, they'll look at him like, uh, like with a, you know, not, not in the best way. Masha came when, you know, maybe a poor peasant will come and, and request him as being totally subjugated to the king and totally nullified to the king. It might arouse within the king, or a lot of times it does arouse within the king, a certain feeling of, of wanting to do chesed, wanting to do kindness to this, right? To this person. So he says, So we see that we cannot connect this whole idea to a concept of whether someone is, so to speak, close to Hashem or far away from Hashem. However, he does qualify it. And he does say that there are certain times that it will actually impact. For example, he says, when a person needs to make, like he's making a, a big bakasha. For example, a bakasha of something very great, right? Like for the nation or something like that. For kol am Yisrael or something like that. You know, when you're making a bakasha for all of am Yisrael, so then it could be to take effect that dafka, it is someone that is a tzaddik, is going to have much more of an input, right? However... However, when we're talking about the details of a person, so then it doesn't work that way. So he says like this, that if it's like for the individual, however, if it's for the individual, so then, then it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're, so to speak, close. It doesn't matter if you're far. It doesn't matter who you are. Everyone has one tati in heaven. And that's the Eibishter. And anyone can ask. And a lot of times it's Dafka, the person who is Dafka far, you know, so to speak, the peasant. He's the one that the Abishter is going to answer. Right? That's the idea. And this is exactly the way it is with regards to the Indian of Davening. That we daven to him. And we request from him who. That he should listen to the voice, right? He should listen to the davening of every person that's speaking out. From every mouth. From every person, regardless. Okay, so that was the nigla. So we set up right now the nigla of what we wanted to bring out. That basically, <clears throat> the nusach, the way we have it, most, right, most of the rabbis will say that this is, in fact, that this is a rabbanon. However, the etzim point of what davening is, i.e. that I have a request from God, that's a deraisa. That's a different story altogether. Okay, let's go to Kabbalah. Okay, we're not going to do that much of this paragraph, but I want to bring out some, uh, uh, a very important concept that is very important for us to know. Okay, so let's do, let's do that.
So he says, So we have to understand a little bit of the concept of davening. A little, little, little. Inyan is concept, right? You do... Hmm? Mizir is a little. Little. Meat, a little. Mizir, of a, like a, of a poor, you know, little. A little of a little. Like a trace of a trace. Like a drop. In other words, uh, you know, don't think that you're going to understand the whole davening right now, what the concept is. But a little bit we'll understand, right? So let's understand it. You do have a Priyat Chaim. Now the Priyat Chaim, right, is what book? The Priyat Chaim is a book that was uh, written, right, by Reb Chaim Vital on the teachings of the Arizal. Right, and this is uh, a book that the Eitzchayim is the main encyclopedia of Kabbalah, and the Pre Eitzchayim specifically is a book that goes through the mitzvahs and talks about the mitzvahs and the kavanas and different things like that. Um, it requires a whole shear to understand how they, how we have the Pre Eitzchayim and etc. But we're not going to do that right now. Suffice it to say, it goes through specific mitzvahs and talks about the kavana. What's the difference between Kriyashma and When he means here Tfila, he means Shmona Esrei. Okay? Who shall Yedei Kriyashma Nasa Yichud Ava? Right? Which stands for Abba Ve'ema. Va'yedei Tfila and through Shmona Esrei Nasa Yichud Dezun. Zun stands for Za and Nukva or Za and Malchus. Okay, let's start by understanding these names. Bichlal, <clears throat> Abba ve'ema, father and mother. Okay, so in general, right, we speak about very often uh, that there are ten spheros, right, which everyone knows. However, we also divide it into four. And when we're speaking about it, especially in Kabbalah, when they speak about the spheros, the way they are in Atzilus, we talk about dividing it into four. These four are comprised of Abba, which is the father, which is the Indian of Chachma, Ema, which is the idea of Bina, Zah, which are the six spheros of the Midos, starting with Chesed to Yesod, and Nukva or Malchus, which is the idea of Malchus. Okay? Now, each of these groups can be split into two now. You have the upper group, which is Chachma and Bina, or Abba and Ema, which is the idea of Ava, it's called in Kabbalah, right? Abba Ve'ema. And then you have the second group, which is the idea of Za and Nukfa, which is the idea of Zun. Each of these groups, let me speak and then you'll ask questions after. Each of these groups, right, are basically split up into two uh, as a Mashpia and a Makabel, right? Now, what does that mean? Chachma, right, or Abba, is the idea of the concept of like a lightning bolt, right? A lightning bolt that comes into you. You're trying to figure something out, <clears throat> and all of a sudden a lightning bolt comes in. Now, the lightning bolt comes in, right? And you're feeling like, I think I got, like there's an idea I got, but at the same time, I don't got it, right? I got it, but I don't got it at the same time. That's why Chachma is known as Kayachma. But the potential of what? Right? Which means that you got the I- general idea, but you don't have it at the same time. Like, I-, I get it. Like, I got the idea. I don't got it. In order to flesh out the idea, you need to go down into Bina. 
Bina then brings it out into details and you go into the details and then you got it at the same time. I'll give you an idea for this. For example, uh, when we were kids and probably when you were kids, right? Uh, there would always be like a, a guy that really wanted to like understand like how like a toy worked or something like, like a computer worked. So he'd get the toy, right? And, or like the computer or whatever. And like he has it and it works and everything like that. And then what does he do with it? He's the guy that takes the whole thing apart and he puts it into little pieces and then like, oh, now I understand how this thing works. And he gets it. When he had it as a full thing, right? At the, on the one hand, he got it, but he don't got it. He understands that it, 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 like if he pushes the button, it goes. But he doesn't understand how it works. He has an inquisitive mind and he wants to take it into pieces. And uh, now I got it. Now I understand what I'm, what I'm doing. That's the difference between Chachma and Bina. In terms of the Yudke Vavke, right, which is very often how uh, it expresses it in Kabbalah, Yud, on the one hand, it has the Nikuda, the point to it, like a Yud has a little point to it, but it's not fleshed out. How does a He begin? A He begins with the same little toop, right, and then it goes and it, it widens it, right, it expands it and it widens it. That's the idea of the concept of going into all the different details. Are you following? Mm-hmm. The same thing with Zah and Nukva. Right? Zah is the idea of what? On the one hand, you have the Yud, right? Because a Vav is a Yud. A Vav is just a Yud with a long line. On the one hand, you're taking the idea that you have in Bina, right? And you're emotionally getting excited by that idea. You're emotionally like, yeah, this is a great idea. I'm going to do something about this idea. Yeah, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start building computers or whatever. But nothing happens yet. It's all in feelings and emotions. In order to turn those emotions into actuality, whether it's into speech or whether it's into action, again, you have to flesh it out. (coughs) Now, generally speaking, when you talk about a relationship between a mashpia and a makabel, one of the main or the main muscle for this is a rabbi and a student, right? The Rav and the Talmud. This muscle, right, has it that the Rav, in order to give over information to the Talmud, has to do what? He has to, what? Exactly. He has to mitzamtem. He has to remove, so to speak, the majority. In his head. Think about it like this. You have Einstein, Right? And Einstein now wants to teach physics to a ninth grader. What is he going to do? If he gives over everything he has, he's going to blow away the ninth grader. The ninth grader, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, it's woo, right over his head. Has he connected to the ninth grader? Absolutely not. Has the ninth grader been able to understand any of the science involved? Absolutely not. Not at all. What does he need to do? He needs to remove the majority of the information, like 99.99999% of the information that he has in his head, in order to give the 0.000001% of information down into the ninth grader. Now the ninth grader has what to work with, and he has some idea of whatever Einstein wants to give him over. The same thing here. <clears throat> when we automatically, when we, like, from the Chathila, we are experiencing a new idea 
On the one hand, what are we feeling? We're feeling the or. We're feeling the excitement. You're feeling the tainug behind it. But I don't really have it. I have it and I don't have it at the same time. I don't really have it. So when you're first looking at, uh, let's say, uh, a Gemara and you're looking at a Taisvus, and like you're trying to, like your first time you look at the Taisvus, you're like, I have no idea what's flying here. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what's flying. And then all of a sudden you start to think and you say, oh, like all of a sudden an idea pops into your head that this is really the question of Taisvus. And like all of a sudden you get like a certain tainug in yourself. You get an excitement that you, oh, I'm like getting it. I'm like understanding a little bit what's going on. <clears throat> but at the same time, you don't have it. You don't really have it. Like, if you want to try to explain it to your chavrusa, I, I just can't put, put it into words just yet. Right? And you have to, then, what do you have to do? Essentially, what has to happen is you have to take away the majority of the edelkeit, the or, that's there. When you take away the or that's there, right, then you can bring it down to a level that, oh, now, I get it. So on the one hand, you have it, but you don't have the same product that you had when you were in Chachmah. When you were in Chachmah, you were feeling the light. You are feeling the Tainuk. When you're in Bina, you may got the idea, but you don't got the or anymore. Are you following what I'm saying? So in order for Chachmah to come down and unite with Bina, <clears throat> you have to remove the huge majority of what Chachma is. Then it's able to give it into Bina, and Bina gets it, and then you got it. Everyone's following what I'm saying so far? Okay, now, throughout Kabbalah and Hasidus, you're constantly seeing this word, Yichud Ava, and Yichud Zun. So the question is, what exactly are we talking about? What's the Chiddush? We want to make a Yichud. So the, the point of what he's saying, and I want to conclude with this idea for today. It's enough for today. The point that he's saying is the yichud is where instead of chachma diminishing the light and diminishing its substance and giving it over to bina, that bina is now able to receive at the same level of where chachma is. So instead of there being a a relationship of above to below, it now becomes a relationship of side to side. That they're able to be on one level. That's the concept of Yichud. So you're lifting up the Bina to the level of Chachma. That's the concept. That's what's the awesomeness of what we're talking about here. That's what it means when it says Yichud Ava or Yichud Zun. That instead of it being the normal operating system of a above to below system where there is a tremendous symptom that's taking place in order for the light to go from Chachma into Bina, instead we're causing there to be a Yichud, which means that <clears throat> it's a face-to-face, -face, so to speak. It's a side-by-side -side unity that Bina is receiving at the same level that Chachma is holding. That's the concept of Yichud. And obviously that has major uh, ramifications in all the whole Seder Hishtal Shalos. Is that clear? Okay, so, we, uh, so we're going to hold here. We gave today uh, just the beginning. We started this with the Nigla, right, which is the, you know, sort of like the background. Um, and 
we started the Kabbalah of davening, and what we gave now is just a, uh, a introduction to uh, a concept in in Kabbalah about this idea of Yichudim and basically Ava and Zun, etc. And Mitzvah Hashem, I hope that everyone took notes, and we'll continue from here tomorrow.